0: Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by my holy trinity, the rest of the K-Fabe crew, Mr. Jesse Baker, Mr. Lex Breaking the Lawson. Boys, how are we living
1: today? Dude, living well, living good. Very much looking forward to uh, when this airs to the general public. It will be today, May the 8th, Saturday, in Tullahoma, Tennessee, A big old fat doubleheader of shows presented to you by Crux Wrestling that will feature in various production roles, myself and Mr. Wexley breaking the lawson. So that's going to be a whole
2: hell of a lot of fun.
0: Ooh, very, very nice. Wex, what's going on, dude?
2: I mean, you see the chain. You see me shining here today, obviously, just like I'm going to be shining on the commentary desk. And Jesse's going to be shining at whatever uh, interview role and possibly on the commentary desk with me if we can make that happen. And we're looking forward to this fucking comparison of a good old classic Stone Cold main event going up against 2011, which was just, woo. I forgot, but goddamn,
0: we'll get into Jesse, it. Jesse, why do I do this? Why do I let him talk? Why Why do I keep asking him questions? I don't understand. Let's so get right why? into it, though. <laughs> it's a 10-year comparison. It's a double nostalgia show. It's uh, it's Extreme Rules from 2011, you know, a, a great year in the business that everybody remembers dearly as Jesse gets RKO'd in the background. Uh, versus WWF Judgment Day 2001. I would say 2001 is the best year of the Attitude Era. So this might be a pretty lop-damn-sided comparison, but Mr. Booker, man, Jesse Baker, where did uh, where'd you come up with this one? I know they're round numbers, but uh, what,
1: what stood out here to you? So the Extreme Rules one stood out to me a lot because if you're looking 10 years ago at the amount of dudes that are still on the roster and the amount of parallels between the cards that they have today, it's kind of interesting. Not to mention... The opening match alone gave me so much hope for 2011, um, but alas, here we are. And then 2001, you know, we've been going down this train all year, and uh, by golly, 2001's the shit, and this yeah, paper yeah. continues to prove it, so here we are.
0: Yeah, like I said, it's my favorite year of the Attitude Era, so we might as well uh, knock up as much of it as we possibly can. I feel like I'm going to regret this, but Wex, how you feeling about 2011 versus 2001 here?
2: You will not regret this. I'm feeling uh, great about just this comparison in general. I'm not feeling so great about 2011. And for two, I will say for a 2001 show, this wasn't one of the stronger showings that we've covered. I will say that. But they did advertise during the show my favorite 2001 show of all time, King of the Ring 2001, which I hope that we uh, cover at some point because, damn, that was the fire moment of 2001. All in good time, my friend. I do
0: agree, though. King of the Ring 2001 is possibly the best King of the Ring. Um, maybe we could do a a little top five King of the Rings on our Patreon, but uh, yeah. we'll see about that. Let's hop right into these shows here. We're gonna kick it off with WWE Extreme Rules for 2011. Uh, the opening package here was an absolute epileptic nightmare. Um, like it was just nothing but strobes and like off contrast and. You know it's it's one of the rare times that I can say like the opening package kind of sucked. Um, any notes on the opening here, Jesse?
1: I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. It was very crisis actor, very the yeah, street, exactly Manic Street preacher, fucking it's Judgment Day, so or it's extreme rules and blah, blah blah. sorry, <laughs> I got those two mixed up, but it doesn't fucking matter real because they're kind of interchangeable.
0: Yeah, they they are kind of interchangeable as we will soon see. Wex, what do you think about this uh this
2: 2011 open here? Yeah, it was just kind of madness and just kind of the com- the comparison, the con- and the com- the contrast between how good the openings were in 2001 and we'll talk about the judgment day when compared to just god, like what the fuck were they doing 10 years later?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh yeah, it's hard to say, but uh, the first match on the card here is going to be Randy Orton versus CM Punk. I don't think, honestly, I don't think we've ever covered a CM Punk match on this show, like together, mm-hmm. the three of us. Makes sense. So so this is kind of a, kind of a nice little outing here. Um, I, true story, I had completely forgotten about the new Nexus. I had tried hard to forget about the anonymous general manager as well, but I did remember them. Uh, I was glad that they kind of made it into a, a 1v1. It was a straight-up brawl. They got a ton of time too much time honestly in my opinion I liked it but I didn't love it I hate kendo sticks too I feel like they're the most overused weapon in all of pro wrestling um but the top rope RKO was super cool it being long hurt the match but it was good it was it was good
1: it wasn't great to me I gave it three and a half beers Jesse where you at on this opener dude I think that this match would have been so much better off not to be the opener I mean, it's risky book it, booking a last-man-standing match as your opening match on your card. Yeah. That's really difficult to keep the crowd hooked after that. And yeah. they did come in hot. I don't think the time would have hurt them if they were farther down the card. However, I did love the match. I thought that they, used, they utilized the stipulation pretty well. That GTS to the step spot, I thought, was super awesome. There was the classic eye on the table spot where the RKO did not break it. And the third RKO takes the match. Uh, I gave it four and a quarter beers. You can't really blame the talent here. I thought they did a really great job. I thought the match was great, but last man standing to open, maybe a little too hot.
2: Yeah, I think, the,
0: I think you're right. Positioning probably hurt it. Wex, where are you at on this opening uh, 2011 match?
2: I was not feeling this match at all. I don't know if it was because I've seen a lot of really good last man standing matches lately, and it, because of like the air of 2011 and kind of what they could even really do at this point, point. and I just thought it was very lackluster, especially for the opener for a pay-per-view. And I don't know if it's because I've never really been the biggest CM Punk or the biggest Randy Orton fan, but like, they just, I don't know. This match just did not do it for me. There was some cool spots, the top rope RKO on the table. I, li- I definitely popped for that, but for an opening last man standing match, like they just didn't do anything that crazy that stood out. Like you said, it was just a bunch of kendo stick shots and they brawled around like, and there was some uh, brawling and some of these other matches that we talk about just, but the way, I don't know, the crowd wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't hit for me and i only gave it two beers. Yeesh. Yeah. Good. Just yeesh. Yeesh. I just I, yeesh. Mean, I, I think you should, I think you're
0: right though. I think positioning probably really hurt it. Like for example, if you would skip if you would flipped Kofi Kingston and Sheamus in a Tables match here to open and then had them further down the card, it probably would have scored a little bit better yeah, in It would have helped I probably, both
2: matches. I probably get have gotten a three beer if it was in a different position, too, because the opener, like, it, it at least would have been a, a half a six-pack, a good solid middle-of-the-road match for me, but positioning definitely made it a little bit yeah.
0: Yeah, it was what it was. Let's jump over here to 2001. Uh, classic Attitude Era open. Um, although I do, I'm pretty sure the music was overdubbed here, but either way, for licensing or whatever, but... Um, It was solid for sure. Just a sea of wrestling signs, too, when they open up to the arena. Um, Yeah, I mean, anything else to touch on besides the fact that classic Attitude Era opens are badass.
1: Just that 2001 video package game
2: was tight. Tight, tight. And dude, crowd at 2001 was like peak fucking hype. Like, if you were an over-wrestler just that was hype with it was just over. It didn't matter what you did. If you just did something like the crowd was going to lose their fucking mind. So I
0: agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, and that kind of leads us to the first match. It's William Regal versus Rikishi. Oh man. Wex, where are you at on this one? Your, what's your, beer rating?
2: Uh, I mean, it was, it was funny. It was fun. JR had a few weird lines. He actually said bodacious bum on this match. And he said, with all due respect to our large Samoan friend here, how hideous does that smell when Regal took that stink face? And I was just like, I mean, Regal worked like a, you know, funny Regal style. He like, you know, did, did his shit. I mean, it is what it is for a funny opening match. The crowd was super hot for it. I mean, yeah, you can't really, you know, score that high for what it was. I went two and a half beers actually a little bit better than the opening on the other one, just because of maybe the nostalgia and just how funny it was. And just, the comedy aspect because William Regal was just great at this point in his career.
0: Jesse, give it to me.
2: It's very telling of certain parts of 2001 that
1: we build the entirety of a match around a move like the stink face and how <laughs> the style of this match is such a predecessor to a lot of what we see today. And you hear Cornette shit on humor wrestling and, you know, trash can spots and stuff. Literally one of the most over moves in the entire year of 2001. Was a big fat guy rubbing his ass in the face of his opponent, which is no worse than anything that AEW has done. So it's it's all the same shit, really. It, just twenty years later, but I guess Rikishi is no longer seen as a murderer because the crowd is popping like fucking crazy for the stink face spot. He
2: went back to his old music, if you notice too. On oh this yeah, match.
1: totally. He's he's in face world once again. Regal supercell. I don't know where the color came from. That kind of surprised me. But to be honest, oh, yeah. the open of this match, the crowd was all over it. They were super yeah. into it. There was really no angle, but still it somehow got heat and got response. I gave it four beers. I thought it set the pace really well. I thought it was a great match. I am I'm
0: I've pretty much split the difference between you guys. I was at three beers. I thought it was a pretty solid match. Good opener. It was pretty hard hitting for the actual work, too, that to happened. Like, it was gimmicky, but the wrestling was also good. So that definitely helps. Uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that Regal got a little hardway color in there. I'm not really sure where, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's what happened. You gotta I think love it was seeing something
2: that had to do with the steps.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, it's very possible. But yeah, I mean, you gotta love seeing Regal get the win too. So solid three beers here for me. Uh, let's just keep it rolling here, boys. Let's keep it rolling. But I jump back over to 2011. Uh, nice little "Don't Try This at Home" commercial here. Oh I don't think God. I'd seen one of those in a long time. Right? I forgot that they did those. Honestly. Um, but yeah, Seamus did a Seamus promo and it's the same kind of promo that he would cut today. So not a damn thing has changed
1: there.
2: And he yeah. is also the United States champion.
1: And he asked right to speak Kofi's fucking birth certificate.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was just like, is that like an Obama thing? Is that like yes. what they were?
0: Yes. Yes. What? It was, it was meh. And at this best. point,
2: and honestly, Kofi did not speak this entire pay-per-view. So I don't know if he had the accent at this point. Was this... He did. He did okay. I don't know if this was still Jamaican me crazy. I think that
0: they were. I think they were getting past it though. They were in the beginning stages of. He did a reverse Apollo cruise. Yeah, yeah, something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's jump into this uh, U.S. Championship Tables match. Uh, To me, it was wild to see like a pre-New Day Kofi because it had just been so long. Um, Especially considering Sheamus looks the exact same, so Mm -hmm. that's what made it so trippy. Mm Um, I, I will say this is probably the height of Sheamus's in-ring work though, to me. Um, and Kofi had some really classic kind of clever ways to avoid the table, very Kofi Kingston-esque. Um, and I think that was probably the highlight of the match was just him missing the table, but I thought, I thought the finish was incredible. That boom drop was massively epic, just large finish. Uh, I give it three and a half beers, uh, about the same as the opener here. I was I was a pretty big fan of it, actually. I thought Sheamus held his own. Kofi looked great. Maybe it was a little bit of nostalgia, but three and a half beers for me. Jesse, where are you at on it?
1: Man, in a tables match, I really felt like they didn't have any of the psychology behind it here. They brought in the table way too early for my liking. There was a lot of, like, Sheamus powdering and cowering away from Kofi, which, if you look at the way they worked the match, just didn't add up or make any sense. So to me, it was a lot of just, hey, we got this spot. Hey, we got this spot. How do we get there? Who gives a shit we'll get there, which non psychology is automatically marks off the table for me. Right. The the United States gear on Sheamus I also thought was weird, but I will say Kofi rocks this sweet sunset flip gut stop counter to Sheamus at one point in yeah. the match that I thought was absolutely great. The brogue kick to the outside with Kofi leaping over the table. The finish... I agree it was great, but I did think that it wasn't built up the way that it should have been. Like, it was pretty abrupt, but it did look wonderful. I only gave it two beers, though. I just thought they could have really thought this one out a little bit more, uh, I guess, utilized the stipulation a little bit better. I hear you. I hear you. What where you at on it?
2: I'm kind of right there in between both of you. I gave it three beers. And it's funny since I was doing voice to text when I was making these notes, that for some reason the match just says coffee versus Sheamus, but that that's still okay. But I do enjoy like a lot of those sick ass spots that Kofi was doing, like when he jumped up on the turnbuckle to grab and avoid the ladder and then yeah. to the kick off the apron and he jumped over it and then. They were arguing on commentary basically about how he jumped over the table, which I thought was pretty serious. He was just like, no, his, his momentum took him over. And then Josh Matthews was like, no, I think he uh, adjusted in midair. They were just like going back and forth. like, well, anyways, uh, get back to the match. But <clears throat> that spot you did point out, Jesse, the sunset flip stomp move, I thought that was the most awkward spot because when he did the double stomp, for some reason he did a front flip bump out of it for no reason. It was just like crazy as hell to me I was just like what he just if you remember if you watch if you go back and watch that when he does like the cool counter but then when he does a stomp instead of just like you know stomping and falling down he does a complete front flip bump and I was just like what the fuck that's that's impressive as hell I can barely front flip bump on my best day and he's doing it out of a fucking stomp so it's that Jamaican
1: energy man
2: yeah, yeah I mean it's outrageous you call it
1: coffee. Maybe it was all that caffeine just fucking bouncing yes, off
2: the wall. That's, that's definitely what it was. He was a little hyped up, extra little boost. But I forgot how outrageous Booker T was on commentary at this point. Oh, geez. God. And I, like, it was so ridiculous. I love so the, like, the stuff that he would say. Like, I love how he would always have a fave five, but it would change throughout the night. Yeah.
1: And he couldn't stop saying business. Oh, yeah, God, and the I shucky ducky it.
2: quack quack, and like I just I, lo- I love I love Booker T in this era because it's just out fucking rageous and it goes along with how outrageous the story and everything that's going on at this point. But yeah, three beers, I was close. The boom drop, sick ass finish, very yeah. high, very elevated, very nice.
0: Yeah, man. Speaking of very nice, let's jump over here to 2001. It's Edge and Christian with a promo in the back. Pretty solid. And there's a package for Benoit and Angle, which was great, too. And we get Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. Best two out of three falls. First match being a pinfall only. Second match being submission only. And the third match being a ladder match for the uh, genitalia marinated gold (laughs) medals. Um, Yeah. Jesse, where are you at on this two out of three falls angle versus Benoit, man?
1: I mean, I enjoyed this a lot more than that ultimate submission match, only because you didn't have the caveat of the weird time clock part of things. Um, This one, they were able to work a little bit more dynamically, and it's just the continuation of the series of matches between these two. I mean, the work was stiff. It was consistent. You could tell they knew each other's offense. There are a lot of really great teases. The things that stood out to me the most were kind of stipulation-based things, I guess. And like the medals were not a very good visual when they fly them eventually, when they get to the third fall, you see them going up, and you're like, where the fuck are they? Why are they taking this wide shot? And it's yeah. like, oh, it's that little, little bitty thing right there. But um other than that, I thought the match was fantastic. I did really love at one point JR. You know, Kurt's whole thing is to keep trying to roll out of holds and grab the ropes and grab the ropes. And JR makes the note, well, if these ropes were a woman, angle would be going steady, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it's
2: fantastic.
1: I like the fact that once they got to the ladder, it they were using that as a weapon more often than as a spot monkey thing. But the, I really think this would have been better had it just been a ladder match, and that there would have been enough build for that to be a blow off with these two, given all the other matches that they had anyway. It did not have to be a two out of three falls. I gave it three and a half beers. The story, the story remained strong. The work stayed great. But I really think that you're getting to a point of endurance matches with these two that kind of the crowd wasn't hooked as long as they could have been.
0: You know what? I disagree. I felt like they were pretty much with it the whole time. And I I liked the fact that I thought that the two out of three falls was great. I liked the fact that they were all kind of stepped without being like too overly stipulated. And the guys worked really well within the confines of each specific version of the match. Um, I also really like Benoit's tights here. I don't know oh, yeah. why, but I, I just liked his actual gear quite a bit. Uh, the second vol- fall to me, the submission fall, was the gym to me. Like that was the best. That was the best part of the match. Uh, it was a kind of a weird transition to, in the su- submission fall too, and that kind of hurt it a little bit. Uh, the jaw shot from Benoit onto Angle with the ladder was absolutely vicious. Um, a couple, a couple awkward spots of the ladder, but the crowd was super hot, man. I mean. You can't hate this. It was a really good match. Great wrestling. Didn't even really mind the interference for the win. It was a great way to get a heat get heat too. And this might actually be our match of the week on TikTok this week, because I, I gave it four and a half beers. I i really, really enjoyed it. Wex, where are you at on it?
2: I'm literally right in between both of you. Beautiful place to be. Which yes, is four. I mean, yeah, it's a nice, you know, I'm I'm lucky Pierre in the Eiffel Tower at this point, but <laughs> Four beers. I mean, I thought it was a great match, and just like you said, I love Benoit's gear. This one, you never really see him rock the black gear, and it said Wolverine on one side, and kind of had the skull instead of that. Yeah, that awkward pre-like scratch gear that he was trying to rock that just right. kind of wasn't getting the point over at that point. But I really like that first fall. Like, I love how you know he went for he went for his signature move, then he dodges it, and then hits him with his signature move for the fit like a, the quick finish. I thought that was the gym, even though I, the second fall was good too, Daniel. I mean, it was good, but that first fall, the way it just happened, I think it was a nice way to set up the match. Cause it was all just like, Oh shit. Now I'm down one fall and I need my fucking medals. Like even though they've been all over your nutsack, I still need them in my face. Cause he did kiss them in that little promo and in the promo and Jr. did not say it in the match, but I noticed in the promo, they were still trying to push the Wolverine machine. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Whoa. Which yeah. yeah, that that clearly Never got over for over. sure. Yeah, but I enjoyed the second fall. But I'd like how they pulled out like a Home Depot ladder at first instead of like the regular ladder, like a little orange one.
1: It seemed like a fuck up to me because all they did after that was get rid of that motherfucker. Oh yeah, no, exactly. F-com I think I the way, think there but,
2: was just a regular ass ladder under the ring, and Kurt Angle was like, yeah, all right, that they were actually using, like, yeah, and was just like, oh fuck, this is like. Yeah, fuck. Because he 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 was like reaching as high as he could and still couldn't even reach the fucking medals because it was way smaller than it was supposed to be. And I do have the line. Jr. literally said he's jerking Benoit right off the ladder.
0: But jerking Benoit right off the ladder. Yeah, Yeah. that's a that's a. great that's great
2: but it just drug on a little bit too long like i agree pretty much with both what both of you said you i mean well except you said it drug on long but the crowd was with it you said the crowd wasn't with it i just think whether the crowd was with it or not i wasn't with it it went on a little bit too long for me but otherwise i mean fantastic four beers i mean right there right there with you guys right there well, boys, I, in the I think
0: I think one minute would be one minute too long on this next match in 2011. <laughs> it's uh, Jack Swagger and Michael Cole versus Jr. and the King in a country whipping match. Um, yeah. All right, Wex, I'm going to ask you to cover this match only in your Jr. voice.
2: Well, let me tell you something right now, Jack Swagger's song sounded like something from like 1999, but this was 2011, and I didn't remember ever having that song. And Michael Cole's Soul Patch, Good God Almighty, made me hate him just a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I gave this goddamn no beers because it was a, a travesty to wrestling. <laughs> good God Almighty.
1: <laughs> all right, all right, that makes me like you a little bit more. Jesse, where are you at on this one? I mean, I gave it one beer, and the only reason why is because I kept imagining if they had put a mic on JR during the match, what it would have been like, and that really oh would have been...
2: Oh my god, that would have <laughs> been fantastic.
1: You watched him talking shit on the apron and stuff, and you every every time he gets hit, you know he is just blasting everybody <laughs> Oh, you son of a man! <laughs> and I just, I want to hear red-ass JR during the match, and that made me brighten up enough to not completely hate it, but I mean, this is a... Great example of what never should have been done, and why 2011 was kind of honestly the start of the decline in the WWE product. And we'll go into that a little bit more as this card continues. But one beer from me.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm gonna go against the grain here, honestly. Like, I, I know this is universally panned as one of the worst things the WWE has ever done, but I actually really thought Michael Cole as a heel pop me. I thought he was funny as shit. Like, just because it's like it in a in a um. Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of way, like it's just so egregious and bad that it it just makes it kind of in like endearing to me. It's just super funny. Um, man, J- Jr. was ready to whip some ass though for sure. Uh, I will say Lawler looked damn good. I really enjoyed his gear. Booker is totally lost on commentary. That's what I like. He's just not good. <laughs> he's just not, not good at commentary. Night. And I
2: mean, the whole night he's awful.
0: Yeah, it's not good at all.
2: Quack, quack. Yeah.
0: I mean, Jr. with the ankle lock, too, is killing the damn business. Oh, I mean, my. God. Yeah. I think
2: that's. Is that yeah, now? That is, is my your photo background. the ankle lock? Yes, it is, is the an ankle
0: weird? lock. Although, OK, the highlight of the night, like literally belly laughed. It hurt me. Was seeing Jr. do like the Dusty road shimmy. as He was about <laughs> to like start using the leather strap. And he was like doing his little jive dance and
2: shit. I was like,
0: yeah. what is going on here? And it that
2: was, Sooners jersey tucked in.
0: Yeah, and I I literally said yes out loud when Cole stole the win. I was like, oh, this is too good. I gave it a beer and a half just. For oh that, my
2: God, my that's personal that's preference. A...
0: <laughs> I mean, it's still a shit rating, but come on, man. I it was inter- I didn't. What I'm saying is there was other shit on both on both of these shows that I thought was w- less entertaining to watch. To be, I mean, to be I special. I
2: agree, I agree, but this was just. It wasn't a rest. Match. no it at wasn't least, a wrestling at, match at least some of the, at least some of the other matches that were trash at least were supposed to be a, they had some semblance of grappling going on you know yeah
0: jesse's yeah. over there with some pussy pussy dribbling on his chin um <laughs> cat <dude>. really <laughs>
2: enjoyed
1: watching judgment day
0: oh that's nice that's very nice that's very nice now he's got a little bit of pussy in his mouth um here we go <laughs> all right so uh the next match on the card here Well, before we get to the match, we got Cena in the back with a promo, and we're getting heavily, heavily booed. Uh, The Son of a Mustard Sandwich line really popped me. Oh, my
2: God. Really popped me. I heard that. out. Really popped me. What? Um,
0: I don't know. I didn't hate that, honestly. I thought it was pretty funny, especially, like, working inside your PG guidelines. Like, that's a funny way to, like, I don't know. I thought it was clever. But yeah, here we go. Knowing what we know now, you would imagine this match to be an absolute banger. It's Cody Rhodes versus Rey Mysterio. Um, Wex, where are you at on Cody Rhodes versus Rey Mysterio here?
2: Again, I uh, I guess it's because it's extreme rules. The gimmick made the match suffer. They literally wasted half the match walking up all the way up, all the way, like to the very, very top to get thrown into the trash cans and do a crossbody. Like, that's all, that's all you're gonna do after that long, epic-ass battle all the way up the stairs for just those two, like, mediocre-ass moves, and then fight all the way back, and the whole way back, Rey Mysterio keeps jumping onto shit, like, he's gonna jump off of it, but never actually does, like, two or three different times, and besides, like, a brutal-ass hip toss, and I don't know he randomly bust out the Tajiri green mist and, or great mood or whatever you want to say, but that, I'm, I always go Tajiri originally to in my mind, cause that's the first person I saw do it. But yeah, it was just fucking weird and it was entertaining, but it just didn't, I don't know. And it's just weird seeing Cody in the short tights with no knee pads. I was right in the middle, cracked open three beers out of the six pack, but I don't know. This match, it had potential. Maybe if it wasn't a weird-ass gimmick and they didn't brawl around wasting time half the match, it could have been a little better, but yeah. Three brewskis for me. Jesse, where are you at on it?
1: I gave it two and a half. I mean, oh, to, have shit, two, okay. to have two of your most athletic performers in back for half of the match for the dumbest spot on Earth just made no sense. The thing that I did love is that after they handed out the bags at ringside, and one of those people being AEW's QT, Marshall. QT Marshall,
2: yeah,
1: but the After having them hand out the bags, I just thought it was fucking hilarious how many people actually wore them. which oh yeah, is, a ton of people. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. It's just kind of one of those really stupid things. The mist was confusing. i They did a couple of setups for things that I think they backed out of mid move, especially one on the barrier that was very notable. Yeah. The work wasn't terrible. Cody definitely showing some green. I really wish I could rebook this as like a first blood match, given that he had the gimmicked mask on and Mysterio's under a hood, too. I thought that would have been a much more intriguing stipulation. The last man standing or the false count anywhere, whatever the fuck, stupid.
2: That's why you're the Booker
1: man, man Jesse. Stipulation That's was why was you're the Booker man. Pretty shitty. But two and a half beers is all I got
0: for me. Yeah, I disagree with both both of you. I thought uh, I loved the like masked Cody vibe. I really liked this gimmick. I honestly, I felt like this was the, probably one of his more uh, pushed uh, versions of his character as he was in the WWE the entire time. And I I liked it. I liked the idea of it. I liked him as a heel. Um, I actually thought that the brawl itself was, was great. Um, I mean, I understand that like, yeah, I mean, I I agree that like him jumping on a concessions counter and just doing a really lame ass, like twisting crossbody is pretty weak, but like, I don't know. I mean, the, the brawl itself was great. The crowd was definitely super hot for it. Um, and I honestly, I, I think I would have liked it more if it had just been an in-ring match. Like, if it had just been like a bell-to-bell normal match, I feel like it probably would have been a little bit better. Um, yeah, again, one more time how shitty Booker T was on commentary. I wrote it down like four or five times. I liked Mysterio with the miss, too. I thought it was a nice change of pace. I gave it four beers, guys. I enjoyed the match. I, I really was into it. It was not bad, in my opinion.
2: So, I mean, that we went two and a half, three, four, we kind of worked our way up. We but did. I will say one one good thing I'll say about Booker T on the commentary with that match. he did call out Great Muda as the person that did the mist. So he at least, he at least gave us the, the, the knowledge right there. Yeah, so I'll give him that. I'll give him that.
1: I mean, he was in WCW while Muda was there. It's not like any average American wrestling fan wasn't aware of it. They just might have seen Tajiri first. But yeah, he yeah. just I thought it was really deadpan. Shades of the Great it's, Muda. It's like yeah, that's
2: it's, 101, yeah, you know? It's Tajiri because yeah. it's my age. If I was like, you know, five, ten years younger, I probably would immediately think Muda. But it's Tajiri in my brain.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's fair. Well, let's move it back over to 2001.
0: And we get uh, my guy here. Uh, poor jerry lynn and his terrible terrible promo skills i love him oh. to death he's a great bell to bell guy but the dude has never been able to cut a great promo um i mean has
1: anyone ever said light heavyweight
0: champion more times no i don't know i don't think so <laughs> I, and the big whoopity doo, that one really got me when he said that um just some did really like his
2: death metal uh judgment day Judgment yeah. Day. yeah
0: He's got a great like uh, Cannibal Corpse metal scream, but like I think he thinks that everyone listens to death metal. I think he like genuinely thinks that he's gonna get that over. Like people like deep metal screams. Like I mean,
1: that's he's a, a n- big, he's a big Megadeth fan. Oh, he, I know
2: Factory Music <laughs> and ECW. You know, yeah, shit, but hey, he's, yeah. He's, yeah. Jerry Lynn's a shit, dude.
1: It's, yeah for sure. I
0: I love Jerry Lynn to death for sure, but he's obviously frustrated at this point. He's Trying to do this little half shoot thing, but the promo came across weak and just not very, not very good. Then we see Kane swinging a chain in the back, and that's always nice. <laughs> Derp. Um, the next match here is Test versus Big Show versus Rhino. And the match was trash, nothing notable to really discuss. Uh, <laughs> crowd was hot, but not too many botches. I just don't care at all. So I gave it one beer because they got through it. Um, Wex, where you at on it?
2: And not much better than you. I went two beers. My, I, I put bad, not very good, it's random backstage. It just kind of reminded me of like a throwback to the WrestleMania fucking match, but worse.
0: Way worse. Way, way, like, way worse.
2: It was just trash. And that shitty palate bump from Big Show was just garbage. Like, it was, it looked, when it, before he took it, it looked like, oh, this is going to be sick. Like, oh, this is going to be, then it just was like, like so, like, anticlimactic. It was just like, like, and if, if it would have been anybody else besides Big Show, like, would it even, like, broke? Because it looked like it barely was any impact with Big Show, so... No one cared about it at all. It yeah. was weak as fuck. I went two beers just because they tried, and Rhino still looked great at this point, and they sold that he was still the ECW champion because he hadn't lost it on commentary. Oh, my God. And I popped for that little that little tidbit, but... Jesse, yeah.
0: where how many Yopes. beers are you drinking for this one?
2: I mean... To shut it out of
1: my mind, probably eighty-seven, but I only gave it a rating of one. I really it, two things to say about this match that sum it all up. Jr.'s initial comment of Rhino is having a pretty good match with these steps out here because he couldn't get oh, the guy yeah. the part when he came out. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. And then the fact that Big Show, like, when it's just testing Rhino in the ring at one point after that pallet bump, the crowd is literally chanting Big Show because they're so bored with what's going on. When Big Show gets back in the ring, no one makes a fucking sound. No one cares. <laughs> this thing was deader than Kelsey's nuts. One beer,
2: out. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. there I... might have been only one match on these next two shows that's even deader than that, but, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, I don't think it was this next one here in 2011,
0: though. We get a little Divas promo in the back, and boy, Gail Kim in 2011, boys. shoo! Hell, Gail Kim now. Yeah, I mean, Gail Kim anytime, really. Um, It's like Bagel Bites. But moving on, yeah, the actual match is uh, Michelle McCool versus Layla in the Loser Leaves WWE match. Uh, by the way, have I said how bad Booker was on commentary? Because Jesus Christ, like it was so distracting. I just couldn't handle it. Yikes, for sure. I mean, listen, for a 2011 women's match, this is actually kind of up there. Um, it, it it really it really wasn't bad. Like the in-ring work was not terrible. Um, it, it definitely didn't suck. It was short and sweet too, and very quickly Michelle McCool is gone. Um, and then honestly too, like, you know, the, the karma debut. I mean, I know that we know that she didn't pan out, but honestly, I felt like this was booked really well. You end this, you end her career, but they're both crying, they're friends. And then you finally bring out karma that you've been hyping and she just totally destroys this person that just got put into retirement. I thought it was a really, really well booked. I mean, including the karma segment, I gave it three and a half beers. I thought it was really well put together. Probably the best booked thing on this show. Um, Jesse,
1: where are you at? I could maybe be one beer more opposite than you, but uh, I gave it one beer. I thought the match was trash. The It was very repetitive. There's like 8,000 fucking roundhouse kicks. This is the only goddamn thing Michelle McCool knows how to do. The best part of this whole match to me was when Layla starts to get on the barrier for a spot where she's picking up Michelle McCool. There's these two fat guys right behind her that yank their cameras out to try and take pictures of her ass up close, which is fucking hilarious if you catch them. But No, that's funny. I mean, great. I just think that the any of the girls in that diva segment would have had a better match. The story was not who gave a shit whether one of these girls left the WWE at this point in time or not. You know, I don't really think that it was the crowd didn't care. I just thought it was dead. The match was really repetitive. The karma thing, like I love her as an athlete, but to me, I, I don't know. It just seemed like it didn't make a fucking difference. You're gonna fuck up the girl that's already on her way out. And then, like, a month later, right after the show, I think, actually, she announced she was pregnant, she was out to the Royal Rumble, and then she's gone after the Royal Rumble. So, either way, one beer from me. Wax, where are you at on it?
2: It's funny, because uh, I kind of agree with you at one exact point, and then I agree with Jesse a lot, because you said, for a 2011 Divas match, this wasn't that bad of a match, and that's literally the first line that I have, and then I say, wait, I take that back because Layla hooked her own leg during a pin. Right after I wrote that down. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Like I've, I've never seen that before. She literally just lifted her leg up by herself. I don't herself think I noticed with, that, honestly. With no assistance at all. And I was like, wow. And then as the match was going, I was like, all right, they're doing some cool moves. And I was like, oh, it's very, there's like audible trash talking in this match. And I'm like, but this isn't the Thunderdome. It's just that no one gives a fuck about this match. So it's just silence. So I can hear everything that she's saying. And it got pretty botchy there. It got pretty rough there at the end. Like there was that solid neck breaker. That was like probably that was the best executed looking move throughout the whole match. I'll give them that. It was very nice. And the styles clash, even though I don't know what the fuck they called it at that point. But and it was such an obvious setup for like that pin. Like she went very slow setup that, oh, she's going to reverse it in the, in the crucifix. Like it's obvious how I'm setting up for this pin. It's just, yeah, you can see it from a mile away. The way I agree with Jesse is I also gave it one beer. Thought it was yeah,
0: pretty we'll trash. You guys,
2: as you can I, see, uh... all these all these things that I list, all these facts that I spit, can prove that it's trash. And you can go back and watch it yourself. On Peacock, it's trash. Yeah,
0: I mean, there was, I feel like there
2: was more spots
0: there that were actually of value, though, too. I mean, the, that the, like, face crusher thing off the barrier was dope. Like, I mean, granted, like, those dudes were trying to, like, take pictures of her ass, and you maybe got caught into that. But the but the spot was cool. I thought and the I spot
1: was, like, shit. Like, no, she, spot she dropped great. off and didn't really do anything to her. They That's just both kind of, like, fell to the side. It wasn't...
0: I disagree. I disagree. Let's move on here, and we're probably going to be on the same page with this one. Um, Eddie and Team Extreme are in the back. Pretty great promo, of course, because it's Eddie Guerrero and he's carrying the Hardys. And somehow I feel like Lita gave better promos here than she did later on in her career. Don't really know how that happens, but um, seemed seemed fine. And then Austin and Regal kind of had their little segment about the no holds barred stipulation. Um, and then we get the full video package for Lita versus China. Jesse, where you at on Lita versus China for the WWF's Women's Championship?
1: So I I only gave it a beer. Uh, my note is literally there was an attempt at trying here. But then as I read into the match a little bit and thought about the time frame, you know, they gave her her consolation win. China being her here pronouns. Yeah. Uh, her consolation title win at WrestleMania X7. And that's when she started wearing colorful gear and shit. And I kind of started looking at the storyline here a little bit. This is China's final match with the WWF, mm-hmm. which I did not know going into this. Wow. She had done Playboy the November before. Then she had a fake injury angle at the Royal Rumble 2001, returned at Mania to win the title, defended against Ivory most of the time, defended against Lita here, vacated the title the next night, and then was gone in November. Was not in another match with the WWF after this, which makes it a little bit interesting. The work was shit. It was just – it was awkward the whole time from both people, and I love Lita, but this is like lanky, just yep. looking super fake Lita. The Hurricane Rana spot was fucking awful. Yep. The power bomb spot was awful. China's titties are out everywhere. Yep. Like the whole match, I don't know if anybody else noticed the blur spots that they had yeah. throughout. Oh, the- how I- do you not notice
2: the crowd? That's the only time the crowd yeah. popped was the titty. Po- the titty. You popped. get bored and
1: stop watching is
0: how you Like, like
2: notice, Both
0: titties. This fu- that's a bully, bro. That's a that bully. Was a
1: full, that was a full tit. There were two full tits at one point. There yes, was, it was all yes. fucking place. And
2: I, don't, I don't understand how I, – I was 10 years old when this happened. How did I not remember the the two full titties being out?
1: Like, I, mean, I remember
2: all the other titty things from Attitude Era, but I did not remember this titty spot. It's
1: because it's China and because it's Judgment Day 2001 and a shit match against Lita that you probably stopped watching because it sucks so bad.
2: Yep, so, that's probably right. Yeah.
1: I, it just makes you wonder – Playboy in 2000, China definitely got a big head. It's been said that she was very difficult to negotiate with after this, and this is the height of all the Triple H and Stephanie stuff going on where they were kind of trying to force her out anyway. I'm wondering if she's, like, not popping her titties out on purpose on TV trying to make a statement of, I was in Playboy, people want to see this, and I deserve as much money as Stone Cold, and then they fire her. So that's kind of what I think maybe happened, but that's just pontificating. That's that. Sounds about right. Um,
0: yeah, I gave it. I gave it two beers for them. Two big old headlights on that chest, and that's pretty <laughs> much it. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, it was kind of entertaining. I mean, I love the way Peacock tried to edit it too. Anyway,
2: uh, I didn't hate it. Didn't like it either. So I gave it two beers. Uh, Wex, where you at? Uh, I'm literally right there in between you. I gave it one and a half beers, and I said, "Sloppy, sloppy." One and a half beers for the titty slip and an appearance by Eddie Guerrero. And fun fact, also, this was Eddie Guerrero, one of his last appearances in WWF after he had to go do rehab and had to leave for drugs. And then he went, you know, made a little run on the Indies, then made his return back to WWF. But yeah, this was last time we saw him in China for a while. And, you know, they had the and China's basically the one who got Eddie Guerrero. Like, that's the one who's I don't say she she got him over, but when he was doing the storyline with her is when he really started to gain steam in the WWF. Yeah. But yeah, this match was just all kinds of fucking sloppy, just, like, literally every other note is just sloppy, sloppy. And one thing I noticed looking at China right here, if China would have never started doing all the bad shit and got fucked up and, you know, had her unfortunate demise, I feel like her versus Charlotte... Oh, like, would have been dope. Dude, like, they have, like, the... Like Charlotte's body type is like the closest to China that's yep. in the modern day of wrestling,
0: especially this version of her body. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. And not the not like the old, old school '97 China. We're talking about the more slimmed out, more workable China. Yeah, not so stiff.
0: Not so stiff. Uh, speaking of not so stiff, where well, we Did got? Did not Al-
2: make me stiff. I tell you, we that. got
0: we got Alberto Del Rio in the back um, with uh, Ricardo here. Uh, kind of forgot about Ricardo to be honest with you. Um, not great, of course, because Del Rio, in my opinion, has literally never been good. I've never understood the hype behind him. I've never understood why people thought he was good. I don't like his bell to bell. I don't think he's a good promo. I think he's recklessly stiff to a point where like people may think that that's what makes him good, but I think it's like I think he's a liability. Which obviously I am correct. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's Christian versus Del Rio here, World Heavyweight Championship ladder match. I mean, listen, Christian's a main event guy for sure, 100%, world champion level for sure. But having him only get this spot as an extension from Edge's retirement felt weird and wrong. And then on top of the fact that I hate Del Rio because he's just not a good wrestler or a good person for that matter, um, well, I mean... It just it, it. felt like a big miss for me. It felt like everything they tried to do was bad. It felt like Del Rio was really reckless. Like, he straight stiff kicked Christian in the head at least seven or eight times. Uh, he gave him a shoot headbutt at one point, too. Like, just really sloppy and shitty. Uh, Booker calling Del Rio a staple for many years to come also completely sums up Booker T on commentary. Um, just bad. Lackluster at best. Long. Way too Long. The finish was super extra imitation, not real dairy, nacho cheese. Um, I mean, great little buddy cop moment with Edge at the end, but overall, it just was not good. I gave it two and three quarters beers. Um, Jesse, where are you at on this one?
1: I thought the the package about the story and everything leading into it and highlighting the fact that there was indeed a battle royal, the Christian one, in order to... Get qualified yes. to be in this match was smart on their part. That part of it was well sold. You know, Christian's in the hometown here. And so it's kind of one of those things that was a little bit easy to guess. I look, obviously, Alberto Del Rio is a piece of shit in real life, but trying to not factor that in because I didn't know this at the time. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm trying to look at him purely as a wrestler. I did not mind his work. I thought the way that they structured the match was great. I can agree about the stiffness and the recklessness. But I did think that the psychology of the match made total sense. I really love some of the innovative moves like the arm breaker through the ladder. There's a couple of, you know, the big old leg drop that he missed out through the table or whatever. I mean, there are a couple of things here that were really great. I thought overall that it was very well worked. The one thing, the Brodus interference totally makes sense. I wish to God that they had not had Edge a part of this at all. Because it, to me, it really, that's the part to me that cheapened Christian's win. Like not only yep. do you have him win that battle royal and he happens to be his best friend and stuff, which is a little cheese dick, but then to have him just ride his Jeep in and that's how he wins the belt just really makes it look like Christian couldn't do it on his own, which is the one thing that yep. I didn't like. I did end up giving it four and three quarters of beers, though. Dude, I gave right. it 4.75. I thought the match was really good. I really did enjoy it. I feel like if you held that match up against main events on anything else, really, that we've covered in the last few weeks with the exception of the 2001 shows, like – I don't know. I think it holds up. I thought it was a great match. I disagree fully. Uh, Wex, where are you at on this one?
2: I'm really, really close to Jesse on this one. And I'm at a good old four and a half beers for this match. Y'all are fucking smoking. I breaks. really enjoyed it. I thought, I mean, dude, there were some really innovative spots, stuff you don't really see all the time, like that sick ass spot where Christian got pushed off the turnbuckle, jumped onto the ladder, then immediately. With the WLC ladder in it? Fucking dumb. No, he's talking about the spot on the outside. The outside, when, he gets pushed off of the turnbuckle, oh, jumps onto yeah, oh, a ladder, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, when yeah, yeah. and then as Del Rios box. running around, he hits him with the crossbody. And then one thing that I thought was cool that you never see, like you know, the spot where you're climbing to the top of the ladder and someone pushes the ladder over, they always hold on to the last second and jump off and like hit the rope and eat shit, which we actually saw happen with uh. Uh, Benoit and his ladder match. Right? He did the classic, oh, you fall and you hit the rope, but this time Del Rio jumped off early, landed quick, and then hit Christian with the enziguri. A very stiff one, I may say, but I thought that spot was cool because I hate how, you know, it's just always like, oh, we're going to hold on and fall, and he's just like, no, I'm going to jump off, boom, hit you with a fucking kick in the head. That's, that's cool right there. You, you don't see that a lot.
0: Uh, and-
2: yeah. And the air interference from Brodus Clay and the stuff from Edge like took it down for me because it probably could have got more. And I don't know. To, and the rest of this pay-per-view just kind of sucked. And this match was like a very high point for me. I was just like, ooh, I'm really feeling this. And like some of the spots that Jesse mentioned, you know, like the missed leg drop and the stiffness. I understand it's reckless, but it's still, it added a little bit extra to it because Christian was like, "Was like, oh my God, he's he's coming back from this. He's coming back and he's. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, you know, it just, it made it, it just gave it that extra little touch, but, I, you know, I liked it. Four and a half beers, a solid, a solid little ladder match there, and Christian is, you know, known for having great ladder matches throughout his career, even singles matches, you
0: know? Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying, though. I feel like this does not even blip the radar of, like, good I ladder like- matches, like... Ugh, I don't know. This is this. This is the second lowest rated match that I have on this entire card. Damn, um,
2: we're, we're disagreeing hard on this. Yeah, one. Last definitely week, last not. Last week we were all agreeing on everything.
0: Definitely <laughs> not on the same page on this one. Let's jump over here to Judgment Day 2001. It's Triple H versus Kane for the Intercontinental Championship in a chain match. Um, and there were some really clever spots in this one, too. The chain pull from Kane with Triple H and the chair hitting the post was really unique. Great way to like get some color in there, too. I mean, dude, it's two Hall of Famers. You can't really argue with it. Uh, the crowd was super, super hot, for sure. It definitely wasn't a Matt Classic, but like Jesse said, I felt like the psychology was there. I liked the interference here, too. I felt like it really worked. I thought this match was really, really good. I gave it four beers. Um, I was, I was pretty into it. Um, Wex, where are you at on Triple H versus Kane in this Chain Intercontinental Championship match? I'm really close to you
2: there. I'm like almost. I'm at three and a half beers. I kind of have like sort of the same notes. I have not very exciting like mat-to-mat action, but Kane just beat the fuck out of Triple H basically through the entire match. And that chair chain spot, I have that same thing written down. That was like one of the sickest spots of the whole match. And and him being busted open definitely added a look st- Definitely added that extra little touch to it, added an extra layer of the story right there. And the whole fact that was that was kind of intertwined with that stone cold storyline and triple h losing the title and like kind of setting it up for like later. It just, I just I enjoyed the match. It was just a solid, bloody brawl, you know.
0: Good yeah, I was an
2: attitude it's something that you would I mean, a chain match is not really an option and no mercy, but it just seems like one of those matches where it would just be like some, Bl- bloody ass, like hardcore match that you would just have forever and ever. You know what I mean? It's oh, for sure. One of those just solid, solid hits from the Attitude Era. Yep, I agree. Jesse, where are you at on it?
1: I gave it three and a quarter beers, so just a little bit less than Wex, Severe, you get a decent amount less than you, Daniel. Um, I, you know, this match is exactly what I figured it was gonna be, which doesn't make it bad. I kind of think this might have been a placement error too, although. With the interference angle, you couldn't put it in the semi-main, but I think it would have been better for the crowd if it were in the semi-main. What was interesting to me here is that you never – you know, Stephanie doesn't really get involved, which is, like, very unlike Stephanie McMahon. This is very early into her being a corner person, and it's kind of telling in the way that they evolve her character – Uh, Not a little known fact, but this was the night before Triple H tore his quad defending the tag team titles on the Raw after this show and was was out for several months until the following Royal Rumble. Totally sucks because the power trip was the shit. It could have gone a lot farther, and I think that they were finally starting to get to. You know, the crowd is never going to universally boo Austin. It's just that he's never going to be a true heel to that crowd. But it still could have popped some ratings and been uh, been a decent thing if they had kept the. It was starting to get worse. It was starting. They, I, to get they to booed the shit out of him in this match in the main event, man. They yeah, booed they, the they shit out of him. Booed him though. They're like, "Yay, we you boo? We're supposed to hate you." Like it was different. But anyway, that aside, uh, I you know I give it three and a quarter beers. It's not a bad match. It's just there some of the chain spots are kind of repetitive, and there are just some things in there that kind of got to the point where it was cloggy. and but the interference did make sense. I just think it might have been placed a little bit. Like it would have benefited from being flip-flopped with the match after it.
2: Hey, let me ask you this. If they had a big boss man spot where they just started whipping each other with the chain like that without it busted up a little bit for you, would it make get a little higher rating? I mean, and anything that wasn't the same couple of, like, yank the
1: chain spots or the same couple of I'm going to wrap my chain around the fist spots that happened over and over and over again would have done a little bit better.
2: All right, all right. Oh, I can it.
1: Well, I don't know if
0: Alex Rowley could have done any better because I totally forgot that he What happened? Existed. Everyone froze. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. You're, we see you, you fucking good doofus.
2: We're on here. Okay, you guys froze for a second. We're all good. Okay. Thanks.
0: Yeah, thanks for that, asshole. Anyway, yeah, so Alex Riley, no one, like, I don't... Does anybody remember him? Because i completely what? forgotten that he ever... I remember because he popped up in Glow. He
1: was, like, one of those... Oh, the, that's right, as, like, Riley. Steel Horse or whatever it was. Yeah, he was one of I those... I
2: remember guys. when he made a brief return in NXT back in, like, 2014. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, poor, poor Alex Riley. Um, and Miz trying to be super serious. Don't know if that's his best fit. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So the next match on the card here is the core or part of the core, uh, Wade Barrett and Ezekiel Jackson versus Big Show and Kane. Were they the longest running tag team of the 2000s? And and we just low key didn't notice. <laughs> like is like what the fuck? Like Proud how this? How? how 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 did this happen? How I five just,
1: years later are you in the same tag team? What like? I feel like they just regularly don't have anything for either of them, and they don't know how to use their big men here at all. Yeah. It's like, all right, put him
2: in a tag team. It's good shit.
1: Well, where are you at on it, Jesse? What's your your beer rating on it? I gave it a fucking zero, dude. I thought this was the dumbest shit. The blend, you know, the blended themes we've discussed here before, but this time with Kane and Big Show, when they blended these two themes, they didn't even try to make it seamless. They literally just played a few seconds and then played the other song. Like, it wasn't even a lead in. But, you know, they tried to put some shine on Barrett and Jackson a little bit here, I guess, just by putting them in this match. But, God, it was just not good. There's nothing here for me at all. All the lumberjack schmozzy stuff was fucking stupid with all the other NXT people and core people and fucking whatever. It just didn't, there's nothing here.
0: Yeah, it was not very good. Uh, Lex, where are you at on it? Man. Sorry. I was
2: tuning on a little bit of (laughs) shit (laughs) tuna. (laughs) <laughs> damn it, Wax. God damn. I mean, it would cause this match ain't worth my time, you know. I only gave it a beer. And I only gave it a beer just because there was some funny stuff in there. Like you saw Trent Beretta out there as one of the lumberjacks. <laughs> I love I some, love when he had to
0: get in big show back and then he's like, Oh I know, I he, can't do anything, guys. I was like, it's too big. I, know <laughs> no, it's, I can't do it. I
2: can't I, do it. <laughs> I have, I know it's it's so audible. He he goes, he's just he goes, he's huge. He's just too big. <laughs> I can't I can't do it. And you have Byron Saxon out there when he was still a wrestler, uh, Fandango, Tyler Rex, who is now Mrs. Tyler Rex. Uh, Gabby Tuft, pay respect. I, I, don't, I forgot. She's I didn't Tuft. know the name. I just, uh, so, I'm just yikes. saying uh, now Mrs. But Tatsu, one of the guys from the Ascension. Uh, lots of random people out there. I mean, it was just a weird match. Yeah, I just, like, literally the one, I have all this, like, uh, comments, and then some random white guy with cornrows. Like, who the fuck was that? Do you guys I know who that was,
0: and I failed. I'm pretty sure, wasn't that, like, didn't he, wasn't he originally Jesse with Festus, and they changed his gimmick? Isn't that Barry, uh, Terry Gordy's kid? I think he
2: was
1: gone. I think he was long gone by the way. Wait, Alexa.
2: is that, is that the guy who, okay, I randomly had some WWE trading cards, some kind of in that era, and I had a card of a guy named Slam Master J, is that him? That's him.
0: That's him, oh, yeah. Man. It Are was he him.
2: He still in 2011? No, I think it was like his
1: second run. I well, think yeah, they gave I him know, another. Originally, he was Jesse. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah,
2: so he, yeah. he's uh he's old Luke Gallows' tag who team. Who was the guys. guy pull, ripping off JBL's
1: gimmick with yeah, the who, hat?
2: Yeah, I, I could not tell.
1: I found his name. He was one of those NXT scrubs from the later seasons when it was still a competitive show. Uh, but
2: yeah, I literally, the note that I have, I put the match itself, Uh, yeah. Like, cause that's all I can say about this. The match is pretty much trash, but it was just fun seeing those funny, weird little things and people from modern era, like the Usos who were young as fuck back then. It was just cool seeing that stuff. Him and Trent Beretta, one beer for the fun nostalgia shit. But The match itself was garbage.
0: Yeah. And uh, what's his name from the Ascension was out there too. Connor, I think his name was. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny that the best workers are actually on the outside of the ring I wonder if Tyler Rex actually kept his tuft, if you know what I'm saying.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. Fuck
0: it. Yeah, it's, a, it's a p- too personal of a question, though. I'm also a dud on this uh, this match overall. I mean, it did give the faces some shine and help further some storylines, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Big Show was definitely not in tip-top shape either. You can see he's completely gassed oh, by the same, end of it. Dude.
2: We bet If the next pay-per-view that we watch, Big Show and Kane are tag-team champions, I'm just going to be like, all right, done. what the fuck is going on here? Ten years, yeah. ten years apart.
0: Yeah. It's wild, man. It's wild. Uh, back over here in 2001, we got a nice little promo from Jericho in the back about tag-team turmoil. It's kind of crazy that we're getting two weird tag-team matches as cooldowns, um, but that's that's what they gave us. So, um, I mean, honestly, I didn't really hate this tag team turmoil match in 2001. I thought it actually ended up pretty damn good. Uh, it started off hot with APA and the Radicals, and APA pretty much just squashed them right away, which I think was bad booking. You definitely could have gotten some something out of that. I mean, you got the Dudleys in there. APA is just getting wins. And then the X Factor gets in, and they take out APA. And that, like, popped the shit out of me. I was like, wait, what? And then, like... The, they beat the Hardys and I was like, are they trying to push X Factor? Like, what what happened here? Uh, anyway, the whole reveal is obviously that Benoit is uh, Jericho's tag team partner. These are some of my favorite Jericho tights as well. Thought Jericho looked like he was in great shape. Um, good booking, trying to get you know trying to get Edge and Christian Angle in from earlier. I thought it was a really good match, really well put together. I gave it three and three quarter beers. Uh, pretty solid on there a little over a little above average especially for something that could have been easily a big clusterfuck uh wex where you at on this tag team turmoil in 2001
2: i'm actually very very close to you on here i went three and a half beers and you know it was a little bit long that's the only thing that uh really that kind of sucked about it but besides that the match itself was pretty cool and like you said uh, the fact that uh, X Factor was in there for so long, but the thing is, I think it made sense because they had Perry Saturn. I mean, not Perry Saturn. God damn it, they had Prince Albert. You know, just the the other fucking weirdo. God damn it. Uh, they had Prince Albert as their third guy on the outside, and that made because he's pretty much kept being that little. And I don't know if it was Vince was in Jr's ear and Paul Heyman's ear, but they literally said I don't know how many goddamn times. Albert is the X-Factor of the X-Factor. They said it so many times. It was like, he was like, say it, damn it, say it, say it, say it, <laughs> God damn it. Like, that really just irked me, but uh, didn't Perry Saturn look like a combination of Scott Steiner and superstar Billy Graham right here? Like, I have the exact same notes, no, bro. Yes. Like, I was just like, what the fuck? And they were calling him the, the bald... The blonde bombshell. No, the bald bombshell. I thought they were calling him. The bald bombshell, I think is what they were saying. But ah, it makes it's, more sense. You wouldn't call him blonde just because of his mustache. So I mean it does it adds up. I mean, yeah. whatever it is, whatever it is. Like the match really heated up whenever Benoit came in and then we like it was really cool, like to like you said, intertwining that early story, like that earlier storyline and him kind of getting his revenge on Edge and Christian from costing yeah. the match earlier. I thought it was a nice touch and it was an all Canadian fi- final right there.
0: Yeah. Yep, those it's damn very... Canucks know how to wrestle.
2: Oh, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, Canadians and Japanese and people from Texas are the best wrestlers, to be honest. Well, Got a few good ones from Tennessee here or there, but... Pretty fair, actually, <laughs> overall. That's actually pretty fair.
0: Uh, Jesse, where are you at on this tag team turmoil match?
1: I was afraid I was going to hate it, just because, uh, you know, I was afraid because there's so many talents in it that I like, but it yeah. had the propensity to be really shitty and crowded, but I thought it was good, and, I mean... A one just a team-on-team match of just Edge and Christian versus Benoit and Jericho would have been the way to go here and would have been a super hot match if you're looking at the match in a vacuum. But if you're looking at where they put it on the card, that would have been way too hype as just a tag-on-tag match for the main event to follow and adding all the time and teams into this. The crowd stayed on fire, I will say that. They didn't get tired of it. They popped for all the double-team spots that ever existed in this match, I thought. Like, literally everybody's double-team maneuvers the crowd was hyped for, especially Dudley stuff. I really love that the camera zooms in on a guy with a get-the-table sign and table is misspelled. It's T-A-B-E-L. And they go out of the way <laughs> and shoot it. And, like, it was just absolutely wonderful to me. The uh, the yeah. Alabama slam through the table, when yeah. Hardcore Holly gave that to Devon, I really thought it was going to come short. It was, Like, if you look at their proximity to where that table is, it looks scary as fuck, but he ends up landing at the point that it didn't look too bad. But I really thought they were going to fuck up Devon Dudley there. The... The X-Factor triumphant run surprises everyone here. I don't know yeah, if they yeah. were just... They were trying to test and see if people liked the edgy shit, but then, like, you right. know, X-Factor just looks like... He's one, two, three kid if he shaves. That's just the truth. That's, you know... Straight he had up. those really hey.
2: funny little sideburns right there that he's, I've up. never seen him have in any other match besides this match. Yeah.
1: He looked like a roadie for Lint Biscuit. but up. Which, and this would have been the time. But this was proof yep. that they tried, and, uh, you know, we get the final... God, the, that final was still in and of itself just a fantastic match, and it was enough for me to give this a four. I mean, again, definitely think it should have just been Edge and Christian versus Jericho and Benoit, but they the announcers touched on the reason why it made sense for Jericho to choose Benoit, even though he had been through hell already previously in this card a lot of time, but that was the only way to get the crowd kind of ready, I think, because this would have just been a pop fest other than that, and it would have really damaged the main event, so makes sense. It makes sense, indeed. Uh, Back over here on the
0: 2011 show, we got a nice little ad for the true story of WrestleMania, which is low key a great DVD. I remember those very vividly. I also, you know what's what's random that never got put on the network? You remember the McMahon DVD that was like about Vince? Like it's Mm -hmm. never to nowhere to be found. Like you can't find it anywhere now. I don't really know why. It's almost like the Benoit DVD. Like it's tough to find too. Like it's weird. Weird that they never. Put it back out. Anyway, I really liked, uh, liked that DVD. It was cool. Nice, nice little nostalgia there. And the match here is a triple threat for the WWE Championship. It's John Morrison versus John Cena versus The Miz. And a WWE Championship cage match. Triple threat cage match. Uh, Wex, where are you at on this triple threat cage match for the WWE title?
2: Uh, okay. Sorry, my phone went away. You, and you are hand. the fucking worst. Like, you uh, are the let's worst. See. I mean, when did, the cage, when did they start using that uh, Lower the Cage music that they always use? It's like, you know, I know you know you they do it here. It's like that. Dook, 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 dook. Like, how long has that been a staple? Because they still use it till this day. And this is 2011 and they were still using it.
1: I don't know. I think it's fucking goofy. But, but
2: you, know, you know what I'm talking about, though. <laughs> like, I just think it's goofy. It's, you know. And I noticed right here we still got uh, Justin Roberts on uh, an a Announcing this whole show. And when he announces John Cena. It's very reminiscent of the John Moxley. He's like. John. Like he does the exact same inflection on his voice. And says John. The exact same way. And. Just like every other match in this pay-per-view honestly. It's kind of underwhelming. This match. Like I expected it. Because it was a steel cage match to be. I don't know. Just way more intense than what it was. But like besides a few couple. Like big bumps off the top. And one thing that I fucking hate in still cage matches that just doesn't make sense that WWE does, I don't know when they started doing this, when you crawl to the door and you, like, the fucking ref opens the door for you to let you out. Like, that's the weakest fucking thing in a fucking cage match. It should be, you know, pin submission or you escape the cage. Like, that's just such a weak bullshit way for a cage match to end, I think. Like, just open the door for me so I can crawl out. I mean, they they, kind of, they worked it into their favor with the little interference spot with our truth and everything, and I did like, like I said, with a few little bumps from the top, like the Starship Pain from John Morrison from the top. I was sick. It was very nice. And I mean, even though I don't like John Cena this time, not a lot of people like John Cena this time. Like, dude, the AA off the top, it was pretty sick, and I think this is like right around the time when, it be- when did it become the AA officially from the F.U., because... Uh, It was before this. I want to say it was, like, 2009 or something like that. But even though, you know, like, John Cena was selling, like, the whole time, like, oh, it's been, like, ten months. Like, the crowd still was not really into him winning. Like, it was kind of—you could already tell, like, Cena hate was, I think, at, like—
0: Yeah, it was pretty—it was getting pretty close to the end there.
2: It was—I mean, it was very strong. I had Cena hate at this point, like, because— even the past, like P few WrestleMania's and stuff and like other pay-per-views where Shawn Michaels was getting them title shots against John Cena and could not win. I was just like, God damn it, Shawn Michaels needs one more title run before he retires and yep. can never get it from Cena. But Agreed. This match It had potential to be way better. I don't know. I just was not just not not a big fan of it. And officially what was my final official rating? Because I might have changed it a couple times. Uh, my official Final one for this, this match was three and a half beers. And if it wasn't for those big spots at the end, the starship pain, the big double, I'm to I'll say doubling, boy, the, the avalanche AA off the top. And one thing that really pissed me off, R-Truth entered through the open door and then climbed out of the cage. It was just, I was just like, what the fuck? What are y'all doing here? What are y'all doing 2011?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of, I mean, the same things bothered me for sure. But I will say that Miz had a ton of heat at this time for sure. And honestly, triple threats are really hard to do anyway. But it's impossible to really have one guy lay out because you're in a cage. And I felt like they did a really good job of not, like, I felt like the work actually flowed really well. That brain buster, well, it was supposed to be like a... A, a superplex off the top to turn into a bit brain buster oh, on yeah, that, Miz. That, that, that was, was a nice vicious spot, dude. R- rough, for sure. That was but a I vicious bump. Will, But I will also say that, the like, the truth the truth stuff was definitely a bit of a miss. It wasn't so, like, to me, I don't have a problem with him climbing out of it, like, because he's just proving a point at that at that point. But, like, to me, it was a miss because, honestly, no one really believed that John Morrison was going to win anyway. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we either assume... Miz is gonna find a way to steal the win, or John Cena is gonna be champ. There's no way Morrison's actually winning the title here. So um, that
2: would have that would have made me pop if they would have actually pulled that trigger.
0: Yeah. No. I, yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't. I mean, to be completely honest with you, I've never thought that John Morrison, Johnny Mundo. I don't ever think he's been the guy to carry a company. Not not to say he's not a great wrestler. He certainly is. But I don't think he's. I don't think he's like the guy. I'm not even saying he's not a top guy. I just don't think he's. The guy. I don't think he's WWE champion. So too. you're basically not yeah.
2: saying he's not Roman Reigns because you're saying he's not yeah. a guy.
1: Yeah. He's not a good guy. I definitely don't guy. think he's, he's on he's the, the Roman guy. Reigns level for sure. I mean, do we think just just one second for that point,
0: the Miz, though? Oh, for sure. I think Miz is way better than Morrison. Like, <laughs> leaps and bounds. Leaps 2011,
2: and bounds. I got to disagree. I don't know. Uh, I will say. Okay, that's, that's has, probably fair. It's 2011. I, I yeah. Hey, I'm going to. I'm gonna swallow my pride and agree with Daniel on this that the Miz has more of the complete package. Morrison's a great wrestler, but on the mic, he he's so stupid. Not the so room. strong.
1: He um. used to be better on the mic though. If you listen to some of his older promos, they're not that bad. It's when he started like going into that vanity Lucha Underground character is when his mic work really fucking blew. That just completely sucked. Yeah, it really what fell off. For I'm sure. not saying he's better than the Miz. I'm just saying I think he was at the same level at this time.
0: Okay. That's fair. I can, at that I can time. Yes. That I'll sure.
1: agree. I'll agree at that time.
0: I can accept that for sure. I mean, my overall here is, is four solid beers. I didn't go too crazy with it, but I was, I was four beers on it. Jesse, where were you at on it?
1: Uh, I gave it a three beer rating. I, I didn't love it. Um, I didn't hate it either. I do think it's funny how if somebody announced tomorrow that this was the main event of the next pay-per-view, no one would shake their head twice. Yeah, it's it's kind of it, it, that is one weird thing about this show to me 10 years ago and WWE now. It just proves how dynamically they've changed the structure in which they do things, because the promos, the video packages, the booking, the stipulations, the interference cards, all of it is the fucking exact same. Yep. And half the damn roster is. Yep. So it's just one of those things. And that's a 10 year difference. If you look at this show versus the show 10 years prior that we're covering. It's all over the fucking place different yep. from this. So, and Bruce
0: Bruce was still there booking too. No, he, he wasn't. He left in 08. He left in 08.
1: Well, he wasn't still here for this, yeah, but he was still there obviously in 01. And then now he's yeah. back. And I swear to God, when we watch Backlash, it's probably going to be more similar to this than it will be judgment day. For sure. Yeah, dude, so. and speaking
2: of Lucha Underground, like four or five four or five, maybe six guys on this show ended up on Lucha Underground.
1: That's true. And then They're so bringing
2: Underground, that back, right? Aren't they no. It's, not, te- it's
1: Aztec Underground is what they're calling. It.
2: No, it's just MLW. It's just they have Mil Muertes on MLW, basically.
1: They're no, teasing they're- doing a faction of, of other guys, but then now Marty the Moth is signed with they or is going to sign with AEW. AEW. Like that, like have half, half, most of their fucking people are gone or like Eva Lee, uh, still will probably sign back on with MLW though. Yeah,
2: because she got out for
1: fucking just the fuck out again of another promotion. Then nobody's touching Joey Ryan with his own dick flip,
2: so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I'm but
1: like sad, Ezekiel out. I mean.
2: ja- so so we have like Ezekiel Jackson, Johnny Mundo, a Johnny John Morrison, Rey Mysterio. Didn't Alberto Del Rio appear on Lucha Underground? I wouldn't know. I only watched just sporadically. That. Yep, so that's four Jack Swagger former Lucha Underground champion. That's five right there that's off the top of my head. I
0: guarantee MLW will call like Vampiro or something to come in and manage.
1: Oh, probably. But There'll be something like that, but hey, we can all see that on uh, BN Sports and Fubo TV, and eventually Vice when they go live, but... Well,
2: it doesn't matter because they can't get Jeff Cobb. Nope. It would be the the best get for them for Lucha Underground. Or Ricochet. Or Ricochet, exactly. Those are like, that was their two main... Mil Muertes, Prince Puma, and what was his name? Montanza Cueto. Those were their three fucking guys. And Pentagon, of course, but... He's yeah. on. base. Well, I mean, and,
0: and Helico too has had a pretty, pretty solid spot in Lucha Oh
2: yeah, and
1: Helico. No, they can't yep. do. They obviously can't do Lucha Bros either. So or Brian Cage. Yeah. Or Johnny. They could bring.
0: They could bring in Kalisto, and I feel like that's where he would fucking land as MLW because I don't think he's going to any of the other major ones. Rumor has it he's just kind of a turd. So.
1: Who knows? Anyway, Who knows? I think that this uh, – the double – back to the match, the double suplex spot that turned into the fucking almost a muscle buster here was completely pointless and logistically made absolutely no goddamn motherfucking sense at all. Yeah. I, it just – it was not – Just this, a high spot. Yeah, it was just a transitional thing that they had already said they were going to do. It's the only reason they did it. They worked to get at it, and it did not fit. I thought Morrison's offense throughout the entire match was innovative and awesome. When he kind of leaps up and hang, has his, is hung over and standing on the cage door and kicks it shut against the Miz's head to keep him from getting out, that spot to me, I popped hard. The monkey flip that Cena gave to Morrison was one of the most awkwardly done things I've ever seen in my entire life. Overall. I gave it three beers. The interference wasn't needed. The match was literally just okay. Although I did think that Morrison was spectacular and had a standout match here for himself. I mean, being not on the main event level, really, I thought he looked great. But it was clearly a down period in the WWE.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, it's definitely not a down period here in 2001. It's the Undertaker versus Stone Cold for the WWF Championship here, and it looks like The big old peacock is paying Fred Durst because we got the full rolling uh, intro here. Um, I thought that popped me. I thought that was pretty funny. It was also funny to have McMahon back on commentary, especially, you know, with Austin being the heel character. Um, It seems like they were really banking on McMahon to help make him more hated. I mean, the match itself was pretty much a straight brawl because that's kind of what these guys are. It's what they do. It's not my style. Uh, but again, I thought the commentary was actually next level good and it really helped the match. Um, and you could really tell that Austin absolutely loved the Austin sucks chance. Like, there's just, you could see the gleam in his eye when he got a genuine boo from the crowd. Like, you could just tell that he had really liked being a heel. Um, I got to say, though, I did feel like the match drug on. It really could have been five minutes shorter and it would have been way, way better. It just seemed to keep going and there was no. Uh, no more added drama. It was just the same pace for an additional like three to five minutes before the match finally ended, and that, that hurt it a lot to me. So I gave it three and a half beers. It would have been a four and a half beer thing, but I took a whole beer away because it really I mean, they went a solid five minutes too long in this one. Um, but again, classic Attitude Era main event was what it was. Stone Cold getting the win, and Triple H and Stone Cold acting like buddies always just I just that that always just it, it feels weird, but it also like in my mind I'm like, Oh, what could have been? Um but
1: yeah, Jesse, where are you at on this this main event here? Man, I thought that the package leading into the event, again, 2001 WWF video packages, of course, fucking great. Yeah. It's interesting that the involvement of Taker's wife, Sarah, before the DDP angle happened with this two-man power trip angle. I kind of, I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. And it, it's kind of funny to think back on DDP being brought in with this stalker gimmick, now that I remember that they had kind of started it here, which I thought was really fucking strange.
0: Yeah. The
1: crowd popped for Limp Biscuit so motherfucking hard. Yeah. Uh, What I I love the most about Austin working heel is just like his ring work. I mean, he's taking more bumps than Jake Roberts in a fucking strip club right here. He is all Lord. He is working hard to fucking make it look like he's getting his ass kicked. Vince on commentary also, when he just keeps chiming in, no holds (laughs) barred. Every time something happens that would be against normal rules is also completely choice for me. I thought it was great to have him in character at the commentary booth because you didn't hear it all that often after he got off the booth on a regular basis. Uh, crowd was hot for it. I love how he—they make mention on commentary that Austin's bleeding out of his lower back after the table choke slam. and the camera goes out of its way to zoom in on it, and it's like the teeniest, tiniest little scrape <laughs> that you've ever
2: seen. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, up. Uh, 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 yeah.
1: You know, they, they end up with Taker busted open. You know, the crowd still loves Austin. I gotta say, I really think you know it, he was getting booze, and you could tell that they were feeding into it or whatever, but it's like, they're excited. Like they're, you know, which is good, but I just don't know how you get him true heel at this juncture in 2001. It's just kind of crazy. The, uh, the thing that stood out to me the most about this match though, the stunner and the kick out at two, a chair oh, shot. Yes. Stunner. Kick out at two, the most protected finisher in the business, kick out at two after a chair shot. So that was interesting to me. Uh, you know, I just, wouldn't have remembered that otherwise. I think it's funny how Austin misses with the fucking chair a second time in the card. <laughs> and it's the yeah, real fucking guy. Yeah. it's like goddamn, a little, little too, a few too many Steve Wisers, and he will That's never a goddamn <laughs> chair. <laughs> and then uh, Triple H with the interference ties in the rest of the story, the three act structure thing that everybody wants out of a good storyline. Match wasn't bad. I gave it three and a, three and three quarter beers. Um, it was a good main event. It was just like. The schmoz is so piled on that I couldn't really go much higher than that. But I really do think that Vince being involved the way he was here grossly helped the entirety of the thing. Agreed. Agreed for sure. So,
0: uh, Wick, since we had you do JR's match in JR's voice, I'm going to need you to cover this main event in Old Stone Code's voice.
2: (laughs) I'm going to do my best, but let me tell you right here, this is one hell of a goddamn match, and I don't know if it's because I'm a... Stone Cold Steve Austin Mark, but goddamn, this shit's great. The Undertaker's at peak athleticism right here at this point in his <laughs> career, goddamn it. And I love how Paul Heyman points out on commentary. DTA includes himself. You can't trust a rattlesnake. You can't trust yourself, but you know. All right, I'm, I'm going to stop now. But you got some rare <laughs> Austin sucks chance, like you said, but we also got Asshole chance for Stone Cold, like like you said. I could see that shit in his face. He was yeah. like, he loved it. You motherfuckers, you're gonna boo me. You're gonna hate me. What? What? But this is actually pre what. But act if we want to go back, I want to take it back a little bit to backstage. With One Regal. of the promos that we yeah. got to, the we promos we talked about, and someone says, "Hey Austin," he goes, "What?" And this was like a good. This is a good like few months. This is some months, not a year, but some months before the what- sh- the what stuff started. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't start till uh, after Vengeance, you know? Yeah. Bitch, Pac Man and Booker T screwed Stone Code. Well, <laughs> you, you, guys, you guys know the promo. But, <laughs> dude, and like like Daniel, I don't, I'll, again, I'll swallow my pride. I'll agree with you. The false finishes. This yeah. match at the end, even though you said the pace, I agree it drug on for a minute, but those false finishes at the end with the fucking kick out on the stunner, you you don't kick out of the stunner yeah stunner is like the one winged angel of the old era like yep, that's the I it's, agree. A, it's a move nobody kicks out of and honestly besides the rock and the undertaker, who the fuck has kicked out of the stunner
0: no I agree,
2: Names I agree. exactly Kota Ibushi and John moxley exploding out of the one winged angel who else has got out of that
0: no, you're right I mean totally and i I agree that like the, the stunner
2: Okada never even kicked out of it it's because he Kenny Omega never fucking hit it until he pinned him with it. Right, but God, like this match—I mean, it wasn't like a God. You know, it wasn't a match classic. It was a good old classic attitude brawl. I enjoyed it. I popped for Stone Cold. I love God That Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nobody kicks out of the Stone, but Triple H is gonna come out there, hit that, hit that little low blow out there, gonna get the win. And uh, I gave it four and a half. Steve Weiser's what? What? <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. Well, I think that this K-Fabe comparison, I got to say, like, I expected it to be a runaway uh, for for Judgment Day. But honestly, the only reason why Judgment Day won is because I gave a dud to uh, Barrett and Jackson versus Kane and Big Show. Had that been a better match, this might have been a tie or honestly, Extreme Rules might have even won. It It was very, very close. It was very, very close. It was only a beer and a half that that uh
1: the judgment day won overall for me. Uh, Jesse, where are you on in this K comparison? So I have got I've taken to doing a total rating and an average rating for both shows. So my total rating for extreme rules was eighteen point five. Gotcha. My total rating for judgment day was twenty point five. Only two points off. Yeah. With the average being two and a quarter on extreme rules. And three beer average on Judgment Day. So, yes, Judgment Day one, but again,
2: much fucking closer than I would have thought.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Wex, where you
2: at? I mean, it's—you guys have been listening to this whole fucking podcast, listen to the ratings, and— <clears throat> Actually, I watched a lot of 2000—when the WWE Network first came out, I watched a lot of these 2001 pay-per-views because I wanted to go back. It's one of my favorite years, and I remember this pay-per-view, like, like oh, Udo Judgment Day, Stone Cold versus the Rock. I mean, not the, Stone Cold versus the Undertaker, the main event. I remember it being like being a, a pretty deal. cool pay per view. I remember yeah. like, oh, that was a good pay per view. And then I actually watched 2001 before I went back and refreshed on the 2000. I mean, I went, I watched 2011 first before I went and refreshed on 2001. And so I was already thinking like, oh god, this fucking atrocious shit. 2001 is going to be definitely better. But as you can tell. Not not as hot as I remember. I remember the high points and not the many, many low points of the pay-per-view. But, yeah, I mean, it won 2001 Attitude Era. It won like, you know, you, you think it's always going to do, but it barely eked by this time. If it wasn't for Stone Cold and The Undertaker and Chris Benoit. Yeah. I mean, I guess guys probably don't want to hear that, but Chris Benoit is probably one of the saving graces. No, I mean, honestly,
0: comparison. like, I, thought I that was my next question. I mean, I really do think that the, that the match of the week for both shows is probably Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. I mean, does yeah. anybody have one better than that that they would recommend?
2: Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit, the main events, Austin Undertaker, if you want some classic attitude brawling. And besides that, like, from the other show, um, from the 2011 show, like, I can't even... I like that ladder match. That, even though Daniel did not like it, me and Jesse, that was one of our favorites is that Christian Alberto Del Rio ladder match. So, I would say that or the um Kurt Angle Chris Benoit would be the two, the that would be the pick of each show.
0: All right, I well Jesse, say. you get to settle the debate here. Which one should it be for our TikTok following?
1: Uh I mean, you know, I just because of the amount of work that we got out of Benoit and Angle and how many other matches that they've had, I gotta go with the other one. I gotta go with Christian Del Rio. It was a great match, and arguably wow. Del Rio's best match in WWE. I don't think there are a lot that are much better. And Christian wins the fucking title here. I think it's something that deserves a little bit a little bit more respect. Alright, okay.
2: okay. Yes, you know and, what, I'll do and, it,
0: I'll do it. Just because you guys won fair and square. I got something to add to me.
2: that, too. And I'll add that Benoit... You know, he's he did his bullshit. Angle's retired. But now we got Christian, who's back in AEW, wrestling in the continuing time, canon timeline of TNA, as we already discussed. And Del Rio is coming back to face Andrade at that, at that new promotion they got going on. So we got two actually active wrestlers in 10 years ago seeing what they're doing. And you can kind of get a little taste of what they That's did back there. then and compare That's it to there. today, okay. you know. All and we're right. all about comparisons, kayfabe old school versus new school so you know it fits perfect i think
0: all right butthole i i got you i understand i let, let we'll do that one we'll do christian versus del rio even though i i appealed and i was denied appeal honorable I, uh,
2: mention is kurt angle versus benoit
0: yeah I'll, I'll go ahead and drop that in there too don't you worry about that um but yeah boys that's that's gonna bring us to the end of this one um, as always, Jesse Baker is booking these shows these days. So, Jesse, what we got? What we got on the docket, man? What's coming up?
1: Oh, you know, next week is going to be a very fun one. We have the impending episode, AEW Blood and Guts, which is a callback to the old War Games format. Hey now. Highly anticipated, over a year in the making, got stalled when COVID started, and they decided to go ahead and go with it before we're back to completely full capacity with some different teams, a little bit of a different lineup, still excited about it. Whole lot of stars on that show. Whole lot of matches that are confirmed for that show. So that should be a really fun pay-per-view special-esque episode of AEW Dynamite. Up against another cage-centric pay-per-view show in TNA Lockdown 2011. So the same year as the Extreme Rules show that we've just covered here. uh, But we got two big things centered around cages. So I thought it was appropriate. And another 10-year comparison. Curious to see how some of these parallels play out and which show we wind up thinking is better.
0: Yeah, that's exciting to me. I'm really excited about Blood and Guts. Uh, there's a lot on there that I'm pretty excited to see. Yeah, mainly, obviously, the Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle. I mean, I'm just I'm a huge MJF mark, and I think that uh, the work between both groups is going to be pretty phenomenal, actually. I think it's going to be fun to watch. And I always love revisiting TNA. Don't really, I don't know if we've covered something that recent. Have we covered 2011 TNA yet? Before uh, I think we did one show maybe. We might one have done show. one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always excited to, to dabble into the uh, the impact and TNA world. Uh, Wex, how are you feeling about next week's show?
2: Oh, I'm definitely 100% excited for the Blood and Gut Show. The main event itself is going to be good, but you got some other good yeah. matches that four way tag team eliminator match for the number one contender for the tag titles, which. I I don't really see the Young Bucks losing them because they got the little heel gimmick going, but this match is a four way: Jurassic Express, SCU, the Varsity Blondes, and the Acclaim. And the SCU's gimmick is if they lose a match as a tag team, they're breaking up.
0: Yeah. So I think that I think they'll probably win it then. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense for the Young Bucks to put them out, and I feel like that. And then they'll that, finally and,
2: lose against the Young Bucks. And yeah,
0: Daniels is going to retire when he loses too. I, yeah, think, I, mean, I thought that. I thought that. I thought that's what it was like when. Yeah, when they lose one, he's done. And
2: yeah, and I mean, he's and he's pretty much pulling the old JR. gimmick. He's the talent relations guy in AEW, so he needs he, he needs to go ahead and just take time off wrestling. He's done enough. He's done enough for us. Yeah, he
0: needs to go ahead and uh, go ahead and tap tap out on that one. I but won't, uh, I
2: won't I won't be upset with it. He can just go ahead and take some time off. But dude, this is gonna be sick and lockdown 2011. I'm haven't seen that one, but I actually was at lockdown 2012, which. Maybe this time next year we'll be this we'll be covering as Jesse likes to do those rounded out numbers. But yeah, baby. Woo. I was yeah. So I've been to a so I've been to a I've been to a lockdown. Not this lockdown, but I've been to a lockdown. And someone literally had like a newborn infant there, and I was just like, "What the fuck? Why is there a newborn at a wrestling pay per view?" That's like, <laughs> that's Tennessee wrestling right there, baby. Yeah, baby. But I did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was cool. I got to meet Samoa Joe and Nick Aldis. And ODB and Eric Young. Nice. Nice. A little meet and greet off the radio. So I'm all hyped for some TNA versus AEW. We got some uh, little parallels from both companies on both of these shows. So there'll be a little bit of stuff we can talk about like that.
1: For sure. And then two weeks out, what do we got, Jesse? Man, we got the WWE WrestleMania Backlash 2021 up against Impact's forthcoming Impact Plus only exclusive special Under Siege. So under current, Siege! Current versus current should be very intriguing. There's a whole yeah. lot of action on that. The Impact show has a lot of things that are stakes for upcoming pay-per-views, yeah. establishing contenderships. They're still in the process of announcing all of the members of these matches. So far, we got a lot of people that have qualified. We've seen Casket get in the picture here as William Morrissey here on the last pay-per-view. A lot of intriguing developments in Impact, and I'm excited to see where they take this. And then WrestleMania Backlash, I mean, I'm hoping that it's not all just rematches or whatever the fuck. But, um, you know, I just haven't been paying enough attention to know exactly what they're going to do on that card just yet.
0: Yeah, let's be honest, guys. I mean, we're not – I mean – we have a pro wrestling podcast that we love doing and we love watching these shows, but I don't think any of us watch raw or SmackDown on a regular basis. We oh. have no fucking clue what's going on in the main roster because it's been that bad. And if we have a reason to, maybe if they give us some good pay-per-views and give us a reason to get involved in these storylines, perhaps I would try to watch more of it. But honestly, I'm not enticed to, I still watch dynamite because I know it's going to be good. I'll still catch NXT from time to time. if I Here they had a great match or whatever, but like, Raw SmackDown. When was the last time we heard about a, a like a feature? The last thing I, the last news I heard about Raw is that Eva Marie came back. So I'm big pass on that. You can miss me with that bullshit. Like I, I don't do need to watch
1: they it. Signed, they signed they Mansoor and he challenged unsuccessfully for the United States Championship against our boy Sheamus. That was the thing that happened yesterday. Yay. Great, great, yeah. great. Glad I did not watch that. I'm glad okay. I watched the back of my fucking eyelids
0: compared to that. Um, yeah. So that's that. So, I guess that that's gonna wrap it up, is it not?
2: Well, I will say I will say that. Uh, so the Under Siege pay per view, I'm pretty excited for that because we're gonna have that match, which is gonna be like the six man gauntlet to decide the number one contender to face Kitty Omega for his newly won unified Impact slash TNA World Heavyweight Championship, and. I actually predicted, luckily, I don't know how, I'm just this good at predicting. You can check it on my YouTube channel, Wex Breaking the Lawson. I did five potential challengers that I think could go up against Kenny Omega. And Chris Bay actually happened to win the first qualifying match against Jake Something to get into that gauntlet match like Jesse mentioned that hasn't been fully fleshed out yet as of now. But Chris Bay versus Kenny Omega, that could be a goddamn money match right there.
0: Oh, it could be for sure. I mean I think we're gonna get I think we're gonna get the Rich Swan rematch for sure. Rematch. But yeah, okay. I mean I,
1: hate that. I don't, hate I don't
0: either. I don't either. But honestly,
2: I I would hope it's at a AEW show. I'm hoping eventually, like we all hope at Slammiversary, we get that Samoa Joe return. But yeah. That'd be only cool. wishful thinking. Wishful thinking.
0: That would be cool. Well that's gonna wrap it up for us guys. Uh be sure to subscribe to our Patreon, man. It's five bucks a month. There's tons of content on there now. We're about to do um the sec- it's the second month, so we're going to do the next watch-along. And I believe the next one we're going to put up there is going to be Effie Ooh. versus your favorite independent wrestler, Wex. You lost your mind for him. Oh, Mancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: man, Mancer.
0: Mancer versus Effie. It's a really funny match. It was a sup show, right?
2: Yes. Uh, I was yeah, there, it's be you can fun. see me live, losing my mind right there in the front row. Is this a sub show, or is this a GCW show? Well, no, it is a GCW show, actually, I want to say. There you go. What was the huh. sub show? It was, at the, it was at the fucking Basement East, regardless. It was yeah. people who wrestle on GCW, sup. you know, it's it's a goddamn family, so... Yeah, man. I'm excited it's about crazy. that.
0: But yeah, dude, listen, guys, it's five bucks a month. There's tons of content up there. There's watch alongs there. Me and Wex and his brother actually talked about the NFL draft and we're probably going to start doing at least a once a month uh, like fantasy football or just look inside of the NFL and what's going on there. Maybe even once a week if we can spare 30 or 45 minutes on the weekend and
2: type stuff.
0: Give some fantasy tips. Yeah, I got, I'm got. i overrun by Titans fans here. But it's okay. The Titans are all right. It's fine. But I like to talk about, you know, other teams in the NFL because that's fun, too. And I'm into oh, fantasy yeah. football yeah. where the players matter, you know. So uh, I'm just trying to make this a little bit more broad, you know. I know there's a lot of people actually for, somehow from Florida that listen to our podcast. So, um, I don't know. I guess go Jaguars. I, mean, we, 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 or, we
2: Jackson, I don't know. That felt wrong to say. With the AEW connection, we always got to cover Tony Khan's team, I will say. We got to gotta keep that in there
0: that's fair we got we got quite a bit actually quite a bit down heard him Michigan on too, sports
2: so. i heard tony khan on Nash, local nashville sports radio today talking about trevor lawrence gross and i was like tony
0: khan what okay well i mean yeah he's running that jacks thing you know i think he is like pretty high up i'm
2: pretty sure he's, he's co-, co. he's billed as co-owner
0: yeah i mean get it son i mean bro gotta love that tony khan money uh, dude, Jesse, what? Are, how are
1: you feeling about the Patreon so far?
0: You got dude, anything I mean, new
1: you want to add to it? All kinds of bonus content. I got some watch-alongs planned with some folks that are not on our normal podcast. So details on that are TBA, but they are coming. And then, as always, there's plenty of other content on the internet and places to go. I think we're going to clip out some of these special shows, put them on YouTube for some of y'all to get a little, little tasty treat before you decide to sign up if you don't want to yet. But I'm telling you, $4.99, under $5 a month. Premium content, got to do it.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I'm excited. You can always find me at Daniel Daybreak. You can always find the show at Kfabcom unless you are coming from the TikTok. It's kfabe.com pod because Wex is a fucking moron and didn't understand how to set up TikTok. So that's always good there. Uh, Stop, Jesse. <laughs> where can people find you?
1: Don't make me turn this car around. I'm at Jesse Baker Nash on Instagram and Twitter, and just Jesse Baker on Facebook. Check out Crooks Wrestling for details on tonight, Saturday, May 8th, in Tullahoma, Tennessee, at the Gypsy Joe Arena, which you might have been familiar with from Dark Side of the Ring. Yes. And uh, May 22nd, Revive Pro Wrestling, where we will all. Question mark be on the commentary booth. We absolutely will. It's going to be uh,
0: Daniel Daybreak's debut right there. Mister Know It All himself is going to have to step in, and uh, and you know just help these boys out a little bit. You know they're doing a great job on their own. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know you can't you can't ever go wrong with a little Mister Know It All in the in the mix. A little uh, little little
1: debut debuticus going yeah. on. So we'll be, I love it. I'm super hyped for it, man. Super hyped. And uh, that will see. Revive heavyweight champion Kerry Offal defending against Uncle Biff in a concussion revenge match. So that's going to be pretty
0: intense. Good lord. Good lord indeed. Wex, just give him the script. Let's get the fuck out of here.
2: Man, uh, speaking of that concussion revenge match, man, that we watched that concussion front row and center and it was brutal. It was a brain buster right on the concrete and I can only imagine the type of business that the business man carryoff is gonna deal out to Uncle Biff because god damn I, I saw him after that concussion. It, it wasn't a good scene, and he definitely is vowing to get some revenge in that. And uh, that should be a fun show. The the kayfabe holy trinity for the first time on commentary. I'll make sure we we keep Daniel Ooh. in line because he, he you know, since he's the rookie here, the that's rookie true, in this whole true. the rookie in this my whole role. thing. I will know my role. I will. Uh, we'll make. I we'll will. make sure he does a good job. We're not going to. At the let same him time, I, you know what? I have known
0: Kerry Awful since the national hardcore scene. We go way, way back, and I can tell you right now, if Kerry Awful is in the ring, I am not stupid enough to
2: bet against him. Yeah, that 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 that's definitely for damn sure. And then of course, just like Jesse said, as of tonight, May eighth, man, a doubleheader. Hopefully you're there. Hopefully you're coming. Hopefully. You've listened to this too at some point, but goddammit, it's going to be great. <sighs> Check out a little promo by Simon Gotch on Twitter at Crux Wrestling. If you haven't yet, it's pretty fucking sick. And you can find me at Wex Breaking the Lawson on Instagram and the YouTube and Wex Breaking the on Twitter because we couldn't fit the Lawson. Tighten up, baby. Yep, that's
0: going to wrap it up for us this week, guys. We will see you all next week. Same place, same time. We're out. Peace.